0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we're going to be talking with two St. Louis journalists just back from a visit halfway around the world. That would be to Pakistan. The journalists are Dick Weiss, longtime Post-Dispatch editor and reporter, and Casey Nolan, reporter and anchor at Channel 5. They went to Pakistan as part of a two-week media exchange program, Relations between the U.S. and Pakistan were chilly before their visit. Since their return, President Trump has issued a barrage of critical tweets and frozen U.S. military aid to that country. Dick Weiss and Casey Nolan join me in studio. Welcome back, gentlemen, and Happy New Year to you. Thanks. Same to you, Don. Good to be here. Dick, let me start with you. Um, There was a definite chill in relations between our two countries just since your return. What, What do you make of that?
1: Well, it's, uh, Pakistan's a, a very important country uh, on the world scene uh, increasingly so recently. And the United States has had uh, warm relations with Pakistan and very cool r- relations over the years, uh, depending on the sort of the geopolitical situation. And right now, uh, it's probably as uh, distant and dark as it's been for quite a while. Uh, we need Pakistan because uh, it is a uh, uh, a check. Uh, gives us access to uh, East Asia uh, militarily, uh, but at the same time, uh, we're concerned about uh, how much uh, they're doing about the terrorist situation, and um, so that, hence the sanctions that that have uh, have occurred and. Um, uh, Pakistan is coming in increasingly under the influence of China.
2: Casey,
0: how were you received?
2: Very well. Mm. Uh, kind of uh, almost like celebrities in some parts, because people wanted to stop and take selfies with us. We went to uh, <laughs> we went to a mall, and there are different kinds of malls. Dick and I went uh, <laughs> shopping in our free time in some places that were, uh, you know, had a little you know rubble around our feet, and then other places were uh, nice indoor malls five times the size of the Galleria. Uh, and I we went to the food court in the Galleria type mall once, and a, a man came up to me and said, "Where are you from?" Mm-hmm. I said, "The United States." He's, "Are you Muslim?" I said, "No." He's like, "Why are you here?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and then proceeded to get some selfies w- with me and find me on Facebook, and uh, we've messaged a few times since. A total stranger who was just interested in meeting an American and, and welcomed us uh, w- very warmly. And I, I think Dick would agree. Uh, we were extremely—they're very hospitable. Everywhere we went, yes. we were warmly yeah. welcomed.
1: There are just not very many Americans who go. Uh, uh, the State Department discour- discourages tourism um, at this point. Uh, it's not considered uh, safe. Uh, many of the people at the at the embassy uh, and at the consulate in Karachi, uh, they do not uh, get to have their dependents with them, their, their wives and children. Uh, it's considered— Unsafe.
0: Well, what kind of security do you have?
1: Well, when we went there, we had a. Uh, we were taken around in, in a van um, and with a, a security guard literally riding shotgun. And uh, when we would be, be taken to a journalism organization or a, uh, uh, another agency, uh, those buildings would be uh, highly secure, and uh, we we would be escorted in and uh, escorted back out. We stayed at. Uh, two hotels, one in Karachi and one in Islamabad, that had numerous barriers to entry and uh, guards with automatic weapons at the front door. Uh, that said, we never really felt unsafe. I couldn't
2: figure out if, uh, if, if the precautions were you know, going overboard or we were overly naive. Hmm. I, and maybe it was somewhere in between. Um, you know, Like Dick said, everywhere we went, we had at least the, the visual presence of some security. And then but at the same time though, we went out a couple of times at night by ourselves to just grab a meal on our own and kind of explore.
0: Did you have the feeling in talking with your journalist colleagues that you could speak freely with them and they with you?
2: I thought so for sure. Yeah. And that was a really interesting dynamic because there are certainly things uh, they will tell you that they there are some taboos, some areas they won't touch as journalists, the, the largest probably being the military. They do not criticize the military openly in public, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they can sit there and talk about it with you openly off the air or, or out of print. And they have, a I would say, a pride in their freedom of the press. They have a pride in the, the way they uh, do take on their politicians. But there's certainly some no-go areas, the military being one, and then, of course, anything that could be construed as uh, blasphemy. They, mm-hmm. they just won't even go there.
0: How much uh, conversation could you have, uh, Dick, w- with regard to our political system and the, the kinds of things we started this conversation uh, with? Well,
1: uh, I, I should start just by giving you a little bit of background. We, I had been uh, host to seven groups of uh, Pakistani journalists over the last few years here in St. Louis, mm-hmm. and we would take them around uh, to uh, uh to visit like with you, uh, yep. Yep. and visit with Casey and mm-hmm. uh, other organizations, and so they came with their sort of own preconceptions and biases. Uh, I was, uh, for many of them, I was the first Jewish person they had ever met, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, we, uh, we had very frank conversations about the political system here in the uh, in the U.S. And we went over there; they were entertained. All the questions. And uh, there are different points of view, uh, but, but basically, uh, they do not see, they, they love us as individuals, but they see our government as uh, being not only um, unfriendly in many ways, uh, we've had drone strikes in their sovereign. Uh, territory, but inconsistent. They don't think that we've got uh, a sort of staying power that other uh, actors in their areas have, uh, for better or for worse. And some of these uh, terrorist groups that um, the United States is concerned about, well, uh, those same groups uh, of people are the enemies of their enemies. So they are are reluctant to uh, push too hard against them. And so, you know, we talked about that. We talked to one uh, organization uh, that we went to, one of the last ones uh, we spoke with, we talked to them about the drone strikes. And, and uh, one of the uh, individuals, uh, spokesman of that organization, said, well, you know, uh, we say officially that we don't like them, and we hate that you've killed innocent people and in some of our military, but we also have to acknowledge privately that it hasn't it had an impact on uh, the uh, – the, the terrorist organizations there. So um, uh, there's a lot of on-the-record and off-the-record um, kind of things going on. And it's very nuanced.
0: That's kind of the gist of, of the conversation you had with one of the reporters there, Casey.
2: It is. They make a distinction between uh, us and the government, which I think probably you could say about you know just about anywhere a person could travel, that, that uh, when you get face-to-face, you meet Person to person, you find out. You know, this anyone who's traveled knows this that you, there are so many things we have in common with anyone around the world. Uh, but then, when it comes to politics, uh, they had the, they have their questions about about our government for sure.
0: Let's let's listen to what the the gentleman you spoke with had to say. The
2: people of uh,
1: Pakistan and especially the people of FATA have a a different concept and idea about the government of the United States actually say that now the, when the drone strikes are being out, carried out in the tribal areas most of the innocent people were being targeted. So now I think they are uh, the different and the negative idea about the government but not about the people in the public of the United States.
0: And that uh, is one of your reporter colleagues from uh, from Pakistan. You know, that comment sounds to me a lot like what we hear about the people of Iran, for instance. Uh, the government obviously is at odds with ours, but the people really seem to like Americans.
2: And uh, the ones that I've been fortunate to meet traveling, I really like them. You know, yeah. We're all just people. Right. I mean, uh, but that that was Wally. That was Wally Khan Shinwari that we just heard from there. And boy, talking to him gives you some perspective on what we do here in the U.S. You know, he uh, is in the Fatah region, the, the, the tribal region, the, the area where the drone strikes are happening. Um, and he is risking his life. Uh, on a daily basis, to be a reporter, he's been kidnapped several times. His family, he said, his family, his children are asking him, "Please give this up. Why are you doing this?" And he says he wants to be the voice of the people who, in his mind, you know, it's not the he, he believes the the people causing trouble in that area are coming over from Afghanistan, and he wants to be the voice for the people that he grew up with and the people he knows as his neighbors to to let people like us know that they're not all terrorists, is, in his words. Um, but uh, you know, and when we were when I was talking to him, then we were we were standing. Uh, Dick may remember the number, but we were by the memorial for killed journalists mm-hmm, right. slain in the line of duty. And it was dozens in the last couple of decades. So that was just a completely yes, different perspective. Uh, 15 journalists
1: have been killed in that area. And um, so you're, you put your life at risk. Here in the United States, journalists are under attack and called the enemy of the people, but that's not nearly what uh, those journalists are facing over there.
0: Dick, do you have the feeling that uh, they understand our concerns, though, about safe haven? I mean, after all, Osama bin Laden uh, was, was 30, 30, out, back, 30 yeah, miles yeah, right. from where we exactly. were staying. Exactly. And yes, know. yes. Sure.
1: Uh, you know, right under the nose of their, you know, their military, the military sure. area, and uh, they get it, but uh, they have their own uh, concerns. They are surrounded uh, by um, what shall we say, unstable uh, areas. And uh, so their, their immediate concern, of course, uh, just like uh, ours is, is their their own safety, their own security, and they make the alliances uh, as they see fit. That's a first priority. And they don't uh, necessarily align uh, as much with uh, the vision that the United States would have for the world mm. as, uh, as they do with, uh, well, they've got India to the south, which is – uh, very problematic for them and they've got a, a, a region that they've been fighting with India over for a long time called Kashmir, Kashmir yeah. uh, where there are regularly uh, lives lost and terrorism incidents uh, occurring and then they've got Afghanistan which is totally an unstable state.
0: And, and they've got nuclear weapons. And
1: they got <laughs> they got that too and, and, uh, and the United States uh, is, is it's withdrawing um, support Uh, military and economic support, uh, at least a little bit of a vacuum. And so they turned to uh, anybody who will help them. Uh, Pakistan was undergoing brownouts uh, several hours at a time in their cities, no power. And the Chinese came and helped them fix that. So... uh, they, that's, what Th- that's what we used to The Chinese have more influence. That's what we used to do them. when, when yeah. countries
0: needed that we, kind we, of infrastructure. We were told in no
2: uncertain terms that mm-hmm. we, at least in the opinion of a couple of folks we talked to it at this particular think tank who seem to have their, you know, have the pulse of the country, that we've been replaced by the Chinese when it comes to that sort of thing. The Chinese are dumping in billions of dollars. and building out their infrastructure. And Not that, only
0: there, but Africa and other parts of sure, the world right. as well. And the
1: Chinese aren't going to ask uh, impolite questions about how, how you're doing with your human rights issues, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, sort of no questions asked in terms of uh, their support, and it's all very uh, uh, strategic. And uh, uh, it's how is it that we can keep this uh, country running uh with a uh, so many uh, disparate uh, populations uh, that are difficult to keep under control.
0: We'll talk more about human rights in a moment. I have to take a break. We'll do that now. Talking with local journalists uh, Dick Weiss and Casey Nolan just back back a couple of weeks now from a two-week visit to Pakistan. We're talking about the uh, that visit, and we'll continue the conversation in a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back. We'll continue our conversation with journalists Dick Weiss and Casey Nolan about their recent visit to Pakistan in just a moment. But first, here are some of the stories our St. Louis Public Radio newsroom is following today. Councilwoman Colleen Wassinger will not run for another term in the St. Louis County Council. Some of the candidates interested in taking her spot include former County Police Chief Tim Fitch. Missouri State Auditor Nicole Galloway is discussing the findings of her office's audit on the timeliness of tax refunds issued by the Missouri Department of Revenue. And Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson says his office will continue to look into potential abuses at state veterans' homes. He initiated an investigation of the Missouri Veterans Home, which resulted in the firing of key administrators. Join St. Louis Public Radio this afternoon for local and regional news and throughout the day at our website at stlpublicradio.org. Now back to our discussion with Casey Nolan and Dick Weiss. Uh, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit, Casey, back to the, the, the loss of so many journalists in Pakistan. Who's killing them?
2: Well, uh, <laughs> I guess the same forces that we would want to be fighting in terms of Terrorist activity, uh, people who don't like what they've said. You know, we met with the head of one of the prominent newspapers. And speaking of security, when we got out of the bus at his house, there was even more security. And he had relocated uh, Mm -hmm. within the country because of threats against his life for things he had published and things that he was not backing down from. So um, non-state actors, I guess, would be the best way to put it.
1: Yeah, I, I think sometimes it's it's a little mysterious uh who's doing what to whom mm-hmm. and uh, some of these uh, killings are never solved uh and uh sometimes it can just be somebody has a grudge mm-hmm. uh somebody doesn't uh a fam- maybe there's a family situation mm-hmm. but it's uh so it's very hard uh, very hard to solve these crimes and uh and they occur among so much so much other mayhem. Uh, One of the issues that that came up is it's not just terrorism, it's not just political um, theater, as it were. Uh, There's a problem with crime in general in Pakistan, you you can imagine, with so much poverty um, uh, there that uh, people are worried about their security in all kinds
2: of ways. We also uh, visited a uh, kind of a art installation for open space to perform to talk uh, a, a non-profit there where the, an activist had been had been murdered just outside and they her life had been threatened for several years uh and at one point the biggest charge against her was blasphemy that had gone back a decade or so you know individuals can level that charge and it can follow your 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 whole life as it was explained to us
0: yeah. you, you'd mentioned dick you had mentioned uh human rights issues that we tend to bring these up when we deal with other countries what is the human rights situation in pakistan
1: well it's interesting uh it depends on where you live huh. and uh, what part of the country that you're in uh, pakistan has a actually a very good um progressive constitution uh, that grew out of the Western uh, tradition. Now enforcing that or making sure that uh, all the uh, uh, cities and populations kind of live up to it is something else entirely. And so you'd have a very progressive, uh, fairly liberal uh, city like Islamabad where um, there's a great deal of uh, respect for human rights and uh, there's some other areas uh, Mm -hmm. where they're honor killings. Uh, you know, if you aren't, uh, don't marry the right person, or you're found going out with somebody uh, who, who you shouldn't be. And obviously, that's not uh, the rule of law. But can it be enforced, and can people be held accountable in some of these areas without causing uh, even more violence and uh, even more of a problem? So there are a number of uh, non-governmental organizations that try to promote. Uh, the rule of law, uh, women's rights uh, and uh, rights uh, uh, for gays uh, as well, and they do the best they can. But they're uh, dealing with a a population that is uh, not highly literate and able to understand uh, you know, what a constitution means
2: and, and how it should be enforced.
0: And in some parts, the constitution
2: literally doesn't apply by law, too. And when you go to the tribal areas, there are parts where it right. doesn't apply. And
0: the country also has a rich tradition of political assassination. I mean, you don't have to go back too far <laughs> well, to start finding examples. Yeah, for sure. And the
1: army, uh, if the government uh, steps out of line, the army and go, go in and depose an elected prime minister. And there was uh, one... Uh, uh, not so long ago, uh, uh Bhutto,
0: who,
1: who was uh, executed. And on a uh, ruling by the court, a three to two ruling uh, by the court uh, that he should uh, be convicted of uh, crimes. and that there was one uh, one of those ru- uh, uh, people making that decision who was sort of on the fence, going back and forth. And you imagine uh, executing a elected official on that kind of shaky, uh, vote you know it's um uh, that's uh you know from our point of view kind of crazy on the other hand in 2002 uh the, there was only state-run media and then they opened it up and now there are uh, hundreds literally hundreds of journalism organizations uh uh that uh can uh, covered the news in all kinds of ways. And so that's a very healthy thing. Sure. Uh,
0: Casey, what, uh, in, in the conversations you had with people, fellow journalists and the folks at the NGOs, what did they seem most interested in? What did they want to talk about?
2: Well, <laughs> Don, <laughs> our president came up a lot, uh, to be honest with you. Um, and I think, you know, just like here, they wanted to know our tweets' uh, official statements. Uh, you know, and these are the questions we have here, regardless of how one feels about, you know, politics or whether they support the president or not. I think oftentimes people wonder, uh, you know what do we make of these tweets and they were certainly interested in that I think that came up anytime we had a lot of tea and biscuits and uh, and, and an amazing hospitality around tables with folks and and not too long after the tea was poured Trump came up just about every time um, they also feel a little slighted though too it's going back to that relationship between the US and Pakistan because they're I don't know when the last sitting president has actually visited Pakistan but they our president President Obama will go to India but not Pakistan and it goes back and, mm-hmm. and back and the, so they so They they, they have this feeling that we have such a supposedly vital uh, relationship, but yet they feel like they are just not given the respect that they deserve publicly.
0: Dick, given the communications uh, and the technology in today's world, I I, I have to assume that they're fairly sophisticated with regard to what they know about us.
1: Yes, and that is, uh, and and, uh, particularly the the journalists, uh, they are um, uh, pretty well-educated. And very hungry uh, for knowledge. And one of the great things about this uh, program that we were on, uh, which was operated through the University of Oklahoma Gaylord School of Communications and Joe Foote, who is the Dean Emeritus there, uh, is that they have increasing opportunities to understand. Uh, the United States, and under, understand good, uh, learn good journalism practices, and, and they are trying to uh, employ them in, in their in their daily work. The thing that's a little scary, you know, from our point of view, is, well, given the uh, difficulties in our re- current relationship with Pakistan, is are these programs uh, going to bite the dust? Hard to know.
2: The other thing that was concerning for me, talking about these programs, we were talking to people who are training journalists there, and they said... Um, they used to always say when it comes to how uh, how journalists should function in society that we would look to the U.S. and they straight up said we don't say that anymore. Hmm. Well, that's discouraging.
0: Yes, I'm sure that uh, that they could learn a lot from people like uh, you two gentlemen. What did you? Could you? Could we learn from them? Anything?
2: Uh, well. Speaking of being hungry, I think maybe we could use a little more uh, teeth in our journalism. I think they they kind of held, stood up, and held us accountable, and wanted to answer, answering some, asking us some hard questions that sometimes we as local journalists think, well, we don't cover that. We're local, mm-hmm. and then I left there wondering, why don't we? Why isn't there uh, more? political analysis or holding our own state elected officials accountable at the local level. Uh, a lot of things we have to cover locally. You mentioned uh, the county council race that's going to mm-hmm. be coming up. I mean, we have our plate is full when it comes to things to cover here locally, but um, they certainly have a hunger uh, for national politics there that I think most local organizations in the U.S. don't. We, we leave it to the national news no. organizations to do that.
0: What do you think, Dick? Yeah,
1: I think the the... <sighs> We live, we're we're in the Midwest, we're surrounded by, you know, more or less uh, friendly territory, and don't Mm -hmm. feel as connected with the rest of the world as uh, people in Pakistan do. I mean, they uh, are looking at what's going on all over the place, and we tend to be very, uh, in a way, provincial, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and what's going on in Pakistan is uh, really actually very important to us, and you know, uh, your program um, is, uh, is, is great in the sense of uh, you get that and you, you, you will have us on the air to talk about it and, and to, uh, to make these points, but uh, a lot of uh, journalism is uh, not um, internationally based, uh, and, uh, w- and we suffer from that. We suffer from that uh, uh, provincialism.
0: People around the world know a lot more about us and what we do than we know about them. I've got a caller here. Our time is winding down, but Neil was good enough to give us a call. He has a question, I believe. Let's bring him in. He's calling from Kriv Kur. Go ahead, Neil.
2: Yeah, hi. Uh, Do you see uh, minorities
1: there like Hindus and Christians, like the Hindu women in Saris? Are they treated well? And also, is Karachi and Lahore, is that as liberal as Islamabad? Well, Karachi is uh, not as uh, as as liberal as Islamabad. Islamabad is, was described as a kind of a
2: little island of um, unreality. It's a more international city, perhaps. Yeah. Karachi is huge. It's 28 million people. They don't have potable water for anyone. They, Everyday folks drink bottled water or boil their water, uh, and they have an amazing traffic that you, it's hard to comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the minority population, about 97% Muslim. As it was explained to me, uh, there are some Hindus who have converted to Christianity and, and to try to get out of a caste system and whatnot, and... Uh, yeah, is, is in terms of how they're treated, uh, according to a friend of ours who, who had spent some time in St. Louis and is a, a, a local there working journalist, no, they're not treated very well, and they don't live in very, uh, very good conditions. Um, they they, uh, they do have special cards that allow them to buy alcohol in a country where it's illegal, so that's uh, that gives them some interaction with locals on, that, a, on a black market level, if you can say that. That's <laughs>
0: something you looked into upon arrival. D- Don, I like to explore all <laughs> avenues of culture. Right, right. Any final thoughts you want to leave us with, gentlemen? I'll start with you, Dick, because, you know, your your takeaway from this experience. Well,
1: I think uh, you just begin to appreciate uh, what a complicated uh, world it is and that there are so many um, nuances in terms of approaching uh, uh, Pakistan that uh, need to be taken into account and I, there really isn't a very clear uh, picture uh, you know where you can come up with kind of a win-win solution for all the, for all these issues uh, terrorism or economic development or whatever and um, you know as you look at the israeli uh, palestinian situation what's going on in pakistan is just as intractable as that one is and um, so i think it's uh, important to tread lightly and to um, also um, study up and and understand uh, all the pressures that exist in that
2: society so that we can uh, come to a better place.
0: Final thought, uh, Casey?
2: It just didn't look like I thought it would because I watched too much Homeland. Uh (laughs) It's, you know, on one hand, there are, uh, you know, definitely some rural areas that we didn't get to and and, and other issues that might kind of line up with a Homeland-like scenario. But otherwise, it was much more sophisticated uh, and extremely welcoming.
0: How can you use what you've learned through this experience here in your job here?
2: Well, going back to that universal theme, perhaps mm-hmm. you know yeah. don't don't judge just by uh, those uh, those those broad brushstrokes that you kind of get from uh, you know from not knowing, from not being there, and know that when you do get up face to face with someone, no matter how different you might think you are, th- th- there
0: are some universal. Uh, uh, similarities Yeah, well gentlemen thank you so much for uh, for being with us and glad to see you back safe and sound coming from a dangerous part of the world Casey Nolan Dick Weiss thank you so much we'll see you again soon thanks for having us thanks Don this is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU